Okay. And so now, uh, verse 8. So this is the good soil. Ones who have heard represents ones who have heard. They hold fast and they bear fruit with perseverance. Now, there's some words I want us to just take some time looking at in this verse. Just break it down that way. The first one would be honest. So to those who hear with an honest and a good heart. The word honest, kalas, it is, it's been translated different ways throughout Scripture. And I thought it would be interesting to look at some of the different ways, kind of a little better. And um, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 17, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right, kalas. So the same word, respect what is right in the sight of all men. In 2 Corinthians 8.21, for we, have re, for we have regard for what is honorable. So the same word there, honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And then in 1 Peter 2.12, keep your behavior excellent. So the same word there, excellent among the Gentiles. So uh, just kind of giving us a little bit more understanding of what, what he means when he says that, that we, we, the, this is the soil that listens with an honest and good heart, honest. It's a right heart, an honorable heart, an excellent heart. So this is uh, sometimes when we when we're you know we're, we're in our scripture reading and we read through it for the morning, it's it's easy for us, especially when we get to parables, because since a lot of us since children we've we've read the parables, been taught the parables. It's easy for us to just read through these things. It's helpful for me, helpful for me often to just slow down and look at certain words. And, try, and just dig into it a little bit, makes me think through it a little bit more. What does it mean to have an honest heart? Then we go on with the word good. Um, Vine uh, says it this way, the word is used in Scripture to describe God as essentially, absolutely, and consummately good. So it's a description, this good is true of God. He encapsulates it. He, he, is, he makes good good. So I you know, look over at Luke 18, <clears throat> verse 19, and uh, Luke just says it. In uh, verse 19 of eight, chapter 18, And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Same word, good. So the one who hears the word, the good soil, is one who is hearing in a way that is true of God. Um, the, now here's what, here's what the, the believer, here's what the Christians to do with this good. First of all, we see <clears throat> that Christians are to prove what is good. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we are to prove good. I, you know, you've heard me talk about this so often, but I tell you, I'm convicted when I see things like this. I'm to prove what is good, even in the grocery store line. I'm to prove what is good. Uh, I was telling uh, one of our podcasts, I was telling some of the students the story of 
when Arlene and I were, uh, were newlyweds, living up in British Columbia in a town called Abbotsford. It's, very, it's a, a very busy town. Uh, it, it's fast-paced, very fast-paced, especially compared to being down here. And I used, to, I used to go to the grocery store for Arlene on Saturday mornings. And it was, I thought this would just be a good thing to do for Arlene. You know, she's, I'll just do it for her. And so I, I did it as a habit, but I had to stop doing it. Because I found that uh, <clears throat> in that fast pace, women took grocery shopping very seriously. <laughs> and they, you know, they parked their shopping carts in the middle of the aisle and sideways and then walked to the end. And I'm having to stand there to wait. And uh, I remember that what really did it for me was the time I raced an elderly lady down the aisle. And I, I realized, I was just trying to go around her, and she wasn't going to let me. It, it was a, I did win, if I remember right, yeah. I think I ended up cutting her off so I could get to where I needed to go. And I knew at that moment, my shopping, Saturday morning shopping days were over with. I... I could not do that. I came home and I told Arlene, I can't do this anymore. It's, it's a test of my sanctification, and I am failing. I am not proving good. Uh, you know, and that's, that's a silly story. But, but really, when we think about this, do, do, am I proving the good of God in how I live? Am I hearing the preaching and the proclaiming of the kingdom of God and proving it. Then we go on. Uh, we are to cleave or cling to good. In Romans 12, 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Cling to it. Um, I am a, a rock climber. I haven't, didn't get to do a lot of it when we were living in South Louisiana. Um, now that we're back... Uh, I'm, I'm excited about getting back into it. But there, I, you know, I take students and take campers uh, out climbing. And you can, you know, it's, it's really interesting to watch how you do not have to explain the necessity to cling to the rock. You know, they, it's vice grips. They are stuck. And it's so much so it's hard to get them to move on, <laughs> to go a little further. Um, you know, is that true of us? You know, we, we say we're Christians. We say that we believe in Christ. We've heard the proclamation of the kingdom of God. Are we clinging to this? Or do we find it's a little easier for us to handle situations, to think through issues, maybe in a different way? Maybe in a way that just is, is uh, a little more satisfying at the moment. Do we cling? Then also we see, according to Romans 12, uh, 13, 3, that we're to do. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good. Do good. So, you know, it's, there, it's, it's, it's easy for us, I have found it easy to abuse grace. I have heard it said before from a pastor one time who was not qualified to be a pastor, according to 1 Timothy. 
And when he was confronted with his qualification, his response was, you're right. I'm not qualified according to 1 Timothy, but I am saved by grace. And I thought, grace is not the freedom for us to live the way we want to or the way we feel we can. Grace is the enabling to live the way we were created to. And so doing is to be a reality. Doing, we're supposed to be all about this. But hang in there, okay, because we got to get to a proper understanding of the doing. The doing is not the cause. The doing is the result. So if we're not doing, you know, it's kind of like checking the instrument panel on the car. If the gas gauge says you're on empty, you don't fix the problem by busting the glass and grabbing the needle and moving it to F. It's in the right place. It's an indicator that there's something wrong somewhere else. And so if we look at this and we say that I am not proving, I am not clinging to, and I am not doing according to the kingdom of God, then what's wrong? And that's what we need to deal with. Okay, I want to look at a couple more things and give you guys a chance to share. Okay, so then the next thing I want to look at is the heart. So, this soil represents those who hear with an honest and good heart. And the word heart, uh, Liefeld says it like this, is the spiritual, intellectual, volitional center of a person's being, i.e., the whole person. This is who we are. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. 645. The good man out of the good, same word that we were looking at before, out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. So we see, we're looking at this, at this passage along with our, our passage we're studying, that the heart really is describing what some would call our passion. You know, what's your passion in life? Uh, for some people, it maybe would be their job. Some, it's a hobby. Some, it would be some relationship maybe. What, is, what describes our life? Luke 12, 34 says it like this. For where your treasure is, how does it end? There your heart will be also. So uh, the heart, when Scripture speaks of heart, really what Scripture is getting at is who are you? What are you about? What are you fixed on? What are you taken with? And then two phrases, hold fast and bear fruit. Now, something interesting with both of these phrases, the way uh, Bob Utley explains it is this. Both of these are present 
active indicatives. Here is the key. The harvest is the result of a whole life, not one emotional incident of dedication to God. This is a, the harvest is the result of a lifestyle. In Galatians 6, 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. This is a lifestyle. It's, it's not a, you know, so often we think that the Christian life is, you know, it, 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 it all is summed up in that moment where we have entrusted our life to Christ, where we believe in Him, we're saved. And then we see the rest of that life uh, as a saved person being one of trying really hard and working really hard and figuring out and, and, to, and to do good and have the right heart, you know, and, and just knocking ourselves out for this. Is that, is that what we were saved for? Colossians 2.6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So the way we walk in this life that we have been saved for is the same way that we were with It's by faith, complete dependence upon the Lord. And so we are to, so it is a lifestyle of believing. It is a lifestyle of faith. It is a lifestyle of trusting. Okay, so I'll stop there for a second. Any thoughts? I was just going to say that when you're talking about the good, I was thinking that it seems like the enemy of good and of, and of me doing good is oftentimes expedient, convenience, and comfort. There's more than that. But, mm -hmm. but those are the things that get in the way of, you know, I'm, I'm in a situation to do good or there's the right thing to be done and but it's not it's not convenient it's not it's not um, not even so much pleasurable or anything like that it's just it's just that it it gets in the way of I'm, I'm concerned and it, and it all comes down to I'm concerned for for myself that I've got to take care of myself and we forget that we're taken care of by the king. Mm -hmm. The king takes care of us, you know. But I, but we get into this thing of I, I've got to take care of myself. Yeah. I've got to I've got to provide for me. I've got to provide for my family. I've got to, you know, all these different things that, that get in the way of, and we we lose track of. This this is Christ. He He's taking care of us. Uh, you know, we were in Romans twelve talking about the good. And I, I skipped, you know, what I think so many people are really familiar with in that chapter, and that'd be in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Then it goes into uh, what we did read, talking about the good. And so, you know, as you were talking about the the you know, it being not the good's not convenient. It made me think about worship and how Charlie has so often, you know, explained to us that the Bible knows nothing of the uh, of the concept of worship that does not require 
sacrifice. And so a good life is, uh, is a, it's, it's a costly life, not a convenient life. But it's good. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for my... I appreciate that. We're thinking about, uh, with our podcast, thinking about doing an episode on the, the blessings of COVID. Um, and I think we're far enough into it now to where we can start to, to maybe think about some of those things. And I think one of them is that it is causing us as believers to think through, what, what does this mean you know, for me to, to be a believer. And I think, you know, we're starting to see that there's, there's, there's great value in it being costly. We think so much about what we lose, but not about what we gain. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. His Hill now has a podcast. It's called, the, thanks, it's a good advertisement. It's called The His Hill Podcast. That's the name of it. Yeah. You, you can the, probably the easiest way is to go to our website, his hill. Yep. Dot org, and then there's a button there to, to you can click that takes you right to the podcast. And so we've got about thirty of them up. Yeah. Yeah. We Charlie. The first one is Charlie giving his testimony, and uh, we have several staff giving their testimonies and and alumni who are missionaries and and some of them missionaries telling us what's going on in where they are, and, and then we have devotions and, and um, uh, roundtable discussions on different topics. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. Okay, let's keep going here. Okay, now the next word back in our text in verse 15 is uh, perseverance. The perseverance is the capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. Jesus' Jesus's emphasis here is not so much on whether a person perseveres. Yeah, that's, that, we see perseverance, and we start to focus in on that. And I'm uh, uh, quoting again here from Liefeld, but he says, Jesus' emphasis here is not so much on whether a person perseveres, but on the kind of person who does persevere. And according to this verse, who are the ones who persevere? Well, they're the ones who have an honest and good heart, who hold fast to the proclaiming and the preaching of the kingdom of God. And how is this possible? How do we, how do we live this way then? You know, if it doesn't start with persevering, you know, so often I... It, this is my problem. I'll read something like this, and I naturally will gravitate toward this. Okay, if I persevere, then I will have an honest and good heart. So we look at this, and we go, wait a minute. Persevering is the result of an honest and good heart. So then how do I have an honest and good heart? 
How do I hold fast? Well, interesting passage. In Hebrews, the same word is used but translated as endurance. Same word as perseverance, but translated as endurance. And it reads like this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, so verse 11, all those Old Testament saints who've lived by faith, let us also lay aside every encumbrance in the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run. Now, if you've heard me speak from Hebrews, you know that I like to use this illustration. Often in Scripture, we're looking for formulas. I'm sorry. Often in Scripture, I look for formulas. Okay, I, I fall into that trap. And I find one here. Oh, so the way I deal with all the sin that so easily entangles me is to run. Okay, do you ever feel like you're a metal or you're a magnet and the sin you're running from is metal? And you read this, and you're supposed to lay it down. Oh, okay, so I just lay it down. And as soon as you lay it down, what? It comes back up again because you're, you're a magnet. And so you go, oh, it's not working right. So now what? Oh, it says run. Okay, so you lay it down and then run. But now you're running on your own strength. Pretty soon you're worn out. You've got to stop to catch your breath. And now because you're a magnet, it's metal. It's been flying along behind you the whole time. And as soon as you stop, there it is again. And we get frustrated because the Bible says to do this, and I've been doing it, and nothing's happening. So maybe I need to read more, pray more, try harder, find another church, run faster. But then we go on and read, and we get the context. Let us run with endurance, the same word, perseverance, the race that is set before us. And then he says, now this is how we run with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith. And that word fixing, this is one of those things I'm always, you know, talking about. So sorry if you've heard it a hundred times already, but fixing means to look away from all else to. So we're looking away from all else. We're looking away from all that sin that we're trying to master, that we're trying to get rid of, that we're trying to conquer. That's not our focus. Whatever has your attention has you. Whatever has you is your Lord because it's determining how you will live today. So are we fixed on the problem or it's fixed on the provision? And so fixed on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. Michael McCall and I ran together in a relay one time. It was a 10K relay. I think Michael was still in high school at the time. And... Uh, he ran the first leg of it. So he ran the first half, the first five kilometers. And I, uh, they shuttled me to the halfway point. And all the other you know, second leg people got shuttled to the halfway point. So I'm, I get out of the car, and uh, I, I go to the bathroom. I get in line, long line to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, while I'm in that, and I had just gotten in that line, I hear the announcement Number, I don't remember what our number was, but number such and such is, and I go, what? <laughs> Michael's one of the first 10, and he is hauling it, and they just got us to the halfway point. You know, it took them a little while to get us there, to get us in the car and get us there. So by the time we get there, here he comes. I'm still in my sweats. 
I'm in line. So now I'm on the, I'm on the ground trying to get my sweats past my, my, sho my shoes. I don't have time to take my shoes off. And you know, you know how it ends and your sweats are inside out. You got them up in the air. You're trying to get it pulled off. And, and people are killing themselves laughing at me. And Michael runs right past me. I start yelling at him, Michael, he's got earbuds and he can't hear me. And then he, he, stops, he starts looking around, trying to, and finally he finds me, and he gives me the, the wristband that we had to switch, and I take off. Now, Michael finishing in the top 10, all I had to do, actually I think he was third, all I had to do was hang on for five kilometers. All I have to do is just hang on. And it was painful. To, I'd never been up front like that. I was always in the back where it's comfortable. Take your time. Michael, stinker. So I'm, I'm running and I start pain. Oh my goodness. It was so much, so much pain. And what I'm doing with that pain, I keep thinking not about the pain. It's not that I'm ignorant of it. I was very much aware of it. But I wasn't fixed on it because the pain was not where the finish line is. What I was fixed on was that finish line. I was sure that it was there because that's where they picked me up to take me to the halfway point. I knew it was there. So I keep running even with the pain. There was, and how is that possible? If I was fixed on the pain, then, then obviously the thing to do is just stop. But if I'm fixed on the finish line, I find there's the encouragement to take that next step, even the enabling to take that next step. And then as finally I make that last turn and I see the finish line, wow. Then there's, you know, who cares about the pain? And I'm just, and I'm running it, and then we ended up placing in it. We were shocked. Both of us were shocked. I think he was more shocked that I was able to stay in it. Even, uh, are we fixed on Jesus? Despite what's going on, are we fixed on Jesus? This is the endurance. This, this is the perseverance that's to be a reality for us. But it's only a reality if Christ is our source. I appreciate what Paul says in Colossians 1. I strive and labor. I appreciate that because he finishes it with this. I strive, I labor. So he is doing like we're looking at here. He is doing. But then that verse ends like this. I strive and I labor according to his power, which mightily works within me. Yes, sir. It's uh, Colossians 1, is it 20, 29? It is? Okay, 129. Yes, sir. Race we're running is 
because they're dragging us down. They're getting in our way. This isn't a short verse. This is a long, long line. Right. Thank you. Okay, so now you may not agree with me on all four types of soil, but something that I think we can agree on is this. There's repetition equals emphasis. So in these verses that we've been looking at, verses, um, the, the whole th verses 11 to 15, where Jesus gives the explanation for the parable, there's something that he repeats. Repetition equals emphasis. What is he repeating? In these verses, 11 to 15, he's, he, uses, he says four times word. So, in other words, in verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And then you go on and read those verses, and you find him use that four different times. Also, he uses the word hear four times. So, hear the word. This is what he's emphasizing here. Hear the word. Hear it. And now we've looked at this before in studying another chapter in Luke, is that hearing this, this, this what he means is it's not just taking in the noise, <laughs> but it's taking it in and acting on it. That is truly hearing. That is listening to what Jesus says. So, Truly hearing God's word results in action. Truly hearing God's word results in action. Uh, if you want to, turn to James chapter 2. Beginning in verse 17, James really wants to stress this. You know, uh, some of the reformers, including Martin Luther, were not real happy with the book, with James. And, you know, there, there was a concern that, that we would misunderstand what's going on here. That, and it, it, it is a book about works, but it's the works that are the result of faith. It's not the works that bring us into faith. So, and then he lays it out for us in chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without the works. And I will show you my faith by my works. So see, the, the works are showing his faith. The faith are, is producing the works, making it possible. Verse 19, you believe that God is one. That's a doctrinal statement that the Jews would use. So it's good doctrine. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. So they believe, they have proper doctrine, Doctrine. they believe God is one. It doesn't mean a thing to them. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? So I think really what we're getting at here is we need to, we need to examine ourselves. Do I really hear Christ's proclamation, his preaching of the kingdom of God? How do I know? How are we living? G yes, go ahead.
Um, Correct. Right. Yeah, they're they're not. They're, they're, there's no there's no dependence upon the Lord by them. No, I mean they're 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 rebellious. Yeah, they're living contrary. They're living according to their own their own way. Well, I think what he's his emphasis is not so much on what on the demons as much as what he's trying to emphasize is on us. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. If you go back and you, it's just like where Jesus, you know, he doesn't entrust himself to those that were with him who were believing. Yeah, because I mean, he he knew their hearts. This was not a it was not a belief that was of of faith. Yeah, was a with dependence. Okay, good question. Um, okay, so now real quick here, uh, Jesus. Then I think what he does is he, he will use uh, an illustration for his emphasis, okay? The emphasis, again, being hear the word, okay? And so his, his illustration is found back in our, in our text in verses 16 to 18 with the parable of the lamp. So after he gives this parable and the explanation of the sower, then he uses this parable now, no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So think about that with what he's just talked about. You know, it, it, the, the different soils. Their hearing and their belief and how it becomes evident just what their belief is. And so then in verse 18, so take care how you listen. So, okay, so he just told them that, you know, to, to hear the word. Now he says, take care how you listen. Are we listening with an honest and good heart? Are we holding fast? For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. So like the, the soils in verses 12 to 13, there's no production. But in verse 15, what they have been given, more comes from it. There is fruit from it. So it's natural for light to be shown when it's on. It's natural for light to be shown. It's natural for fruit to come from an honest and good heart that holds fast. This is a natural thing. And then finally, and I'll give you a chance to share again, um, hearing God's word is the only thing Jesus will accept from anyone. Hearing his word. Remember, hearing involves acting out on. So hearing his word is the only thing Jesus will accept from anyone. Look at verse 19. And his mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. Now, we don't have time to turn to this cross-reference, but if you're taking notes, you may want to write down Mark chapter 3, verses 20, 21, 
and 31. Mark 3, 20, 21, and 31. And what you'll find there is a little bit more explanation of what's happening here. The reason his mother and his brothers were there is because they thought he had gone nuts. And they were there to get him out of there and take him home. And so within that context, we then look at our passage here in verse 20. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and he said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. So the doing is, is the proof of our hearing of our believing, of our faith. Okay, before I give application, what are your thoughts? Yes, ma'am. They thought that he wasn't who he said he was, but they kept hearing yeah. and, and kept nursing in that time element of hearing God's word over and over again. It does that for through us so that we are then able to produce that fruit. So, so it's not just a one time, right. it's a duration. It is. And it's interesting that you say that because one of the brothers, we just read some of his writings in, in James just a second ago, yeah. Hey, anything else? Yes, sir. What strikes me than it is in Matthew. And I think the concept is holding on to the word and through that, that's the enduring. That's the consistent enduring. Okay. Is through holding on. So the, the reason that the light is talked about is to relate how you endure. Okay. To your point earlier. By keeping the light in front of you. Mm. Right? And mm. I think that That's good. Yeah, I think that, that would actually be a really interesting study to study all the different um, synopsis, you know, to, to look at all of them. But uh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> not now, anyway. Okay, uh, just real quick in the last minute, uh, just something to point out is that no matter how you may understand who the four soils represent, we all need to recognize this, that only... The only soil that is pleasing and acceptable to God is the good soil. That which, you know, we, that, that, that has the right heart. The good soil. You know, one that is, again, 
just reading it the way we have it here, that has the honest and good heart and holds fast. I know I became a believer when I was nine years old, and it wasn't until I was 23 that I realized that this life did not depend on me. And there was such a relief. Um, really, there, there, there was an elation. And it, did, it does not mean it got easy. In a lot of ways, it got a little harder. But I can tell you that since I was, since 20, I was 23 at the time, since that time, I have never had a moment where I have not been assured of his presence and his care, even, even through those dark things. Once Arlene and I were out for supper with some friends in comfort, and we were talking about this. We were talking about this life we have in Christ, not, dependent, not being dependent upon us, but dependent upon him. Have we heard this? And the wife uh, said to us that she, she and her husband got, were just so excited because they had just begun to understand this. And this is what she said. Kelly, when I heard this, I was so angry. And I thought, why hasn't anybody told me this? And then she said on the heels of that was the second thought. I've had the Bible my whole life. I grew up in church. I have not listened. Are you hearing what the Lord is regarding his kingdom? Are you living what the Lord is saying regarding his kingdom? Let's pray. John, would you lead us in prayer, please?